Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, amen. Welcome to Calvary HSM at the 5 p.m., everybody. How are you guys doing? Awesome. How are you guys having a great summer this year? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, if you're meeting for the first time, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Um, and here at Calvary, we exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So what I'm going to encourage you guys to do this evening as we jump into our text is one, open your eyes, right? Open your ears and allow the Lord to speak to your hearts. We believe that through all these things we're doing here, our music, our time to worship the Lord, uh, even the things that, that might seem ethereal, like lights and smoke, all these things exist to drive us towards the truth of the gospel that Christ died for sinners to give us and bring us back to God. And that's why we exist. And so what I want us to do uh, right now in the next few minutes is this. I want us to pray specifically for our team that's in the DR, right? Um, we have a team of 30 right now in the DR, and they're just serving the Lord, doing an amazing time out there, having a VBS, uh, taking water filters to people in different communities. It's a blessing to know that they're out there. And if you're interested in signing up for a mission trip, ladies right here, if you're interested to sign up for a mission trip, guys in the back, if you're interested to sign up for a mission trip, you can do so in September, right? So September is the time that's coming. Don't say I didn't put you on, all right? Don't say Aaron didn't, did I put you on? When can you sign up? September. September, all right? September drops. When September begins, so will our apps. They'll open up, and there'll be options, I think, I believe, for next year uh, to go to Uganda, the DR. Uh, we're praying about Mexico and see wherever the Lord leads us. But right now, those are the ones that we have in mind. So let's pray for our DR team, pray for the service, and begin. Is that good? Yeah. Cool. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the truth um, of your love for us. You give us the opportunity to go and live and love like you in different countries. We pray specifically for our team of 30 people in the Dominican Republic, Lord, who have given uh, their time to go and uh, spend time playing with students, spend time um, acknowledging the lost, Lord God, spend time uh, hugging, Lord God, spend time playing, spend time giving up these water filtration systems to people, Lord God, who need them, Lord. Ultimately, all these things we're praying for is that they would see you, they would trust you. Lord, use this team powerfully and mightily, Lord God. We pray that they come back safe Tuesday evening, Lord, and pray that they will come back with lives changed by the power of the gospel. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. All right, well, uh, like I said, we've been going through this series called Life, what? Life Hurts, God Heals. Thank you, Life Hurts, God Heals. And as we go through this series, we're talking about things that, uh, for many of us in our lives, are touching our hearts here and now, right? There are current things that we're working through as believers. And I've been sharing this scripture for the past two weeks. And uh, when I share scripture like this, it's for us to hold on to, to keep in our hearts, keep in our back pockets. I always say, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, right? So stay strapped, stay locked and loaded. This is the verse that I've been meditating on and I believe will help us today. It's in Psalms 34:19. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up. If you don't have one, uh, make sure you can open up your Bible app or whatever. Go to Google, that Google machine, type in Psalm 3419, save it, all that good stuff. If you need a Bible, we can gift you one, one from us to you, so you have one for your daily reading. Psalms 3419 says, one, two, three, go. The righteous person may have 
but the Lord delivers him from them. The righteous person may have many, but the Lord delivers him from them all. This is a verse that I've been ruminating on. I believe is one that's going to help us today as we process through what we're talking about this evening. The fact that our eyes are to be kept off of us and fixed on Jesus. This verse has a promise. And the promise is this. That you will have many issues. You will have many problems. You will have many insecurities. You have multiple things that will go through your mind and will hurt you. But the promise is this. That despite any and all of my problems, my troubles, my problems, my issues, my concerns, the Lord has promised to be a deliverer. Amen? God has promised to be our ever-present help in times of need. And I think about the issues that we're all talking about today, especially issues of insecurities and things we're thinking about, about our bodies, about ourselves, our eyes, how we're viewed in the eyes of people around us, or even ourselves. And I think of, or I'm reminded of, a time where I had my personal things that I was insecure of. Now, you're about to put a, a picture on the screen. Before they do so, cue your awe. You ready? You guys cue your awe, you ready? Let me take a sip of this La LaCroix. LaCroix? 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 Thank you. Okay. I'm just, I speak English, you know, so okay. All right, let me sip real quick. Not sponsored? Okay, cool. All right. Are you guys cue your awes? All right. Oh, there's a picture, right? LaCroix, sorry. <laughs> baby Aaron, right? So there's baby Aaron. He's about uh, a year or two uh, in age, right? Young cat, a young cat living in Africa. Um, not to be confused with a meerkat, but young cat. Anyway, he's living in Africa, and he's about two years old. And he had his own insecurities, right? Now look at that picture. And what do you think that I was insecure of on my body? Someone's like, nothing. You're a cute baby, Aaron. Thank you. I see you. All right, all right. But I thought I had big... Thank you. Wow. Automatically. She knew. She knew. She was like, that brother had big old ears, Dumbo. Like, that's where I was, right? I was insecure about my ears. So insecure that when I went to high school, right, I went to high school and I, you know, of course you have a little glow up when you grow up a little bit. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, that stuff happens. I still had big old ears. Check it out. This is me in high school, right? Right? So now the reality is... You guys are mean. Wow. Oh, my heart. <laughs> uh, I am secure in Jesus. Moving on. The point is this. The point is this, right? That I had my insecurities. And even as I grew older, uh, although my, like, head grew bigger, whatever, my ears. Do you know, like, as you grow older, your ears grow bigger? Did you know that? Do you guys know that? So laugh now, girl. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Right? But that's what happens, right? You just, all those things happen. But I was so insecure about that. And so I, I wasn't sure that I would get... Like love, people would look at me and want me. I would feel I would be desired. I was insecure about uh, even like how, how I would be viewed by other people, right? I had all these things about how I looked and felt and whatever. I was so like focused on my outside that there's a time when you're, as a young man, you're growing up and then you start to get like game, like low-key game, you know what I'm trying to say? You know what game is? No? Let me put you on, bro. So after deodorant, right, after deodorant, Right? There's other things that you do to, for your like, self-care or whatever. And so for me, it was like, what do you think it was? Perfume, right? right? 
And so the thing is, guys, you can't just use perfume and not deodorant. You've got to work them together, right? Praise God. But the point is, like, I tried to do all these things to focus on the outside of who I was because I was insecure about how I looked. I was insecure about who I was. I, I tried to fit in all these different crowds, and I was not comfortable in my own skin. I was not comfortable with my quiet confidence. I am different from every other person in this room. We're all different, but I was insecure about who I was. And I'm sure for some of us in this room, we have things that we are actually insecure about, right? You might be insecure about how you have a part in your hair. Some of you guys got the founding fathers going on, right? Like, or you part to one side, which is like, that's me. Like, you, like all these things, right? You're insecure about your weight, right? And so when you hear people talking about, like, these are just gym bros. I don't know why this is the conversation. It's like, I'm going to the gym. How much do you, how much you weigh? How much you put up? Like, what's going on? Like, that's the first question. It's not like, hey, good job. Good for you. You're working on yourself. Like, that's what's up. It's like always like a challenging conversation. Or people are worried about their cracked. Some of you guys only have your voice is not cracked yet, guys. You're still like, hi, guys. Like, you're still on that plan, right? You're on Mickey Mouse, right? And you're like, will this happen for me? Some of us are insecure about our grades, right? You're insecure about your grades. You're like, will I pass this class? Like, I don't want to be held back. Lean, okay. You don't want to be held back, right? You want to move forward. You don't want to be held back. You're insecure about your grades. Or you're insecure about being yourself in your family, where you have, like, like honestly, real competitions with yourself and your siblings. And sometimes all in your head. It's like, I have to beat my sister at this. I have to be better than them at this. And so what happens is, uh, if you guys remember, even... Drew Walton shared with us a few times that he, when he was younger, was also insecure about how he looked as well, right? That man turned out good. Would you say so? I think so. Anyway, the point is this, right? That we have all these things that we are insecure about inside of ourselves, and they are weighty upon our souls. They're weighty upon our minds, and they hold us in a bind. The lie the world has told us to walk through these pains or walk through these insecurities is this. That we to be, to be able to overcome them is we need to do what? Love ourselves more. Right? You need to love yourself more. Right now, if you Google self-love, all the quotes come up. Usually in mirrors or on the beach or on a mountain or like some Photoshop picture of some guy you don't even know. But it's like, anyway, it's just weird stuff, right? But they always say, like, love yourself more. Or you have the answers. Just search deep. Inside, you're like, like, go really deep inside myself for those answers, right? Or they say, like, you know what? Like, if you want those answers, you need to go to talk to X, Y, Z, all these different people. The truth is that if you turn to look deep inside of yourself for the solution, you will dive deeper into frustration, selfishness, and comparison to others. Now, actually, I stole that quote from our, our homie Janae. She took my message in the morning and made it a little better, so praise God, right? But, but that's the truth, right? The more you look inside of yourself for the answers, for self-satisfaction, for your joy to be satisfied by or to satisfy the people around you, the more you feel selfish, the more you feel like comparison is a killer. There will always be someone who is older, faster, stronger, can lift more than you. That's what's going to happen. There will always be someone who you compare yourself to and you'll almost never add up. And so if you try to do that, you end up having sadness and brokenness. But this is what the Bible tells us instead. Instead of looking at ourselves, looking at our self-image, looking at how we are a particular shape or skin color, or all these different things that people want to say that are wrong about us, 
The Bible says this, that whoever loves his life will lose it. That if you love your life, if you look to keep these things and to maintain these things and that becomes your focus, you will lose it. It will be gone. It will be forever lost. And whoever hates his life, it says, in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, he's not saying that you need to hate yourself, right? The Bible is not saying you need to have self-hate, right? That's not what it's preaching. In fact, what it's saying is this, that your love for the things of God is so intense that in comparison, it looks like hate. That it looks like hate because you love God so much. But when you say yes to God, you're saying no to other things vehemently. You're saying, no, I want to focus on those things. I'm trusting God for my identity. I don't get my identity from a magazine or for a, an Instagram filter, right? There's 10,000 filters that soften and clean up your face. It's wild. But anyway, like there's all kinds of stuff that happens. But the reality is it doesn't change who you are. It does not change your personhood. And the interesting thing about that is this. Jesus gives us an example. He says this in John 15, 12 through 13. That this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have done what? Loved you. Jesus has other things to worry about in his life. In fact, Scripture tells him in Isaiah that he was not a good-looking dude. I'm sorry for those who had an image of the Norwegian Jesus. He was not good-looking, right? There was nothing about him that was beautiful that would look at him and be like, oh, my gosh, that's my Jesus. Like, you, don't, you wouldn't do that at all. Instead, you would look at him and you would despise him. They say that he was a man who was familiar with sorrows. And yet, he gives himself and says, you know what? Instead of coming down in the fullness of my glory, in my power, in my beauty, you know the center of heaven is Jesus, is God, that he's the light of the city, that you look upon him and you see like the love in his eyes and all this. He doesn't show all of that. He comes down in the, in the, the, the body of a baby and grows up like a man. He himself has to learn and go through school and all these different things and face the things that you face. He understands. He chooses to live a life like you. And why do I say that? Because you might be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm afraid of rejection. Because to lay down my life and stop doing these things means I'm going to have to stop hanging out with some people. Some of the people you are hanging out with are actually helping you have this insecurity and in how you eat and how you dress. And so you feel like you have to be a certain weight so you don't eat. Or you, you feel like you have to like, do something specific and so you cut yourself. These, these are things that we have going on inside of all of us. I am 32 and guess what? There's things I'm still insecure about myself. How do I look? And I make jokes all the time, right, about like me running and whatever. And hey, I worked out with uh, Connor Swanson though. That was, what's up? That, was, that was good. I'm working on it though, right? I'm working on it. But the reality is that we are not to fear the rejection of others as we choose to live and love like Jesus. To say yes to some things is to say no to others. And so there will be rejection as you choose not to go with the flow of the world. This is what it says in Matthew 10, 28. That do not fear those who kill the body but, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Then he goes on to say this. One of the sagest things that Jesus could say. He's like a smart wise dude. Not Yoda, but better, right? He says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, are, you are of more value than many sparrows. 
He goes, you're fearing the rejection of all these people, but you should fear me. And the fear he's talking about is not one where you're quaking in your boots or afraid. No, he goes, respect and honor me. Do you know who I am, what I've done for you, how much I love you? And yet you put yourself down here. You're calling yourself a two, but he goes, brother, you're a ten. Like to God, he's made you wonderfully and beautifully, knowing you and knitting you in your mother's womb. And you're insecure about how we look and how our cheeks are. And for some of us, and I, and I'm not a girl, but for some people, I believe this is the reality. It's like when you have curly hair, you want to have straight hair, right? Is that a thing? Or, you, or the other way around, it's like people are like, oh, my gosh, how is he calling me out? Anyway, the point is this, right? I'm not saying don't work on how you feel and how you look. Those things are, have value. But ultimately, the big or the major thing is like, what does God call you to be? Who are you in Jesus? He says this in 1 Peter 2.4. He goes, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. He goes, guess what? People might reject you like they rejected Jesus. In fact, they will reject you like they rejected Jesus. But you are precious to him. You are loved and known by him. So precious, whatever your shape, whatever your size, whatever your temperament, he made you special because he loves you and wants you. He says in 2.24, 1 Peter, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. How much does he love you? This verse, that by his wounds you have been healed. He loved you enough to set you free from your insecurities. Now I'm not saying they won't be real or you won't have hard days or, or harder days or horrible days. But when those things come, if you have a reminder, a hope, in the back of your mind, like I said, stay strapped, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. If you have these things in your heart, when the, the depression, the pain comes to overwhelm you, you can say, nah, bro, check it out. I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus. You can speak to, not only, like we said last week, ways to walk through even personal anxiety. I believe the same way to overcome all of our sin is this. One, you have strong people in your community. You talk to your friends. You be honest and open. Two, you talk to God. We said that. Have real open conversation and be honest with him. He's able to hold all the weight of your sin and your insecurity and your pain and your confusion in his arms. You know that song? He's got the whole world in his Oh, you guys, you teach Sunday school? That's awesome. Anyway, the point is, like, like, he can do it. He can do it. And then the third thing, if you guys remember last week, was this, that we ultimately speak to ourselves. You must have the word of God hidden in your heart to be able to fight these things. He died to set you free. Christ died for you to be set free from your insecurities. Christ died to, be, to set you free from your pain. Christ died to set you free from all the confusion and identity issues you, you might might be fighting through or struggling with. He set you free, and he died to do it. How far are you willing to go for your friend? How far are you willing to go for people in your life who you love, right? Right now, one movie just came out recently with the guy who, like, races the cars real fast. What's it called? Fast and Furious, right? It's all about what? Family. Thank you, right? You guys talking about family all kinds i love my family i love my family right but would you would you really would you really die for your family right we say that here and now right and we can be proud and puff up our chest and do all this stuff but ultimately would you really put your life on the line for your family jesus did right he's done that as an example 
It says this in, first Tim, uh, in Timothy 2, 11, that here's a trustworthy saying, right? This is a truth saying that you can trust this. You can take it to the bank. In the midst of your confusion, in the midst of your insecurity or uncertainty, whether you like or love or hate your body, he says this. If, he died with, if we died with him, we will also live with him. What does that mean? That if you today have chosen to lay down your desires, lay down your insecurity, lay down your will, choose to love God so much that everything else looks like hate, that yes, you died with Jesus, but you also resurrected with him. That you have newness of life in him. You have new power and new confidence that comes not because you combed your hair the right way or you bench, you bench at 250 or 500, depending on who you are. Like, depending, like, like not because of all those things, but simply because you've been made alive in Christ. When we have baptisms here, this is not a joke. It's a truth that you've been dead to your sin. Now you are alive in Christ. Why do we say that? So you have that in the back of your mind. That when temptations come, not if, but when they come, you can call upon the rock that is higher than you. You can look at God, like David says in the Psalms, that I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? People in our day, when they have issues, what do they do? They go to gurus, live, love, laugh, whatever, like all that stuff, right? They go chase gurus and all that stuff. And so the, the psalmist kind of quotes that. He goes, man, like, where do I go to? Do I look, I look to the hills? Where does my help come from? Do I go to the hills, to the shamans, to the mountains, to Instagram, to all these things? Where do I get my help? Where do I get my confidence from? He says, my help comes from the Lord. He says this in 1 Peter 2.10. That once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Christ bought Jesus' blood, purchased Sinners, he purchased you, he purchased me for God to love us and to forgive us and accept us for who we are and to possess us as his treasured possession. All these words are saying this, that you are a child of God and he owns and has rights to all of who you are and he made you. And so he says all these things that you used to follow through and struggle with, he goes, you, have, you can leave those behind. Because I have set you free from them. All these desires ultimately are these. They are great desires. You want to look good, right? You want to be fancy. They're great. Why? Because we want to be happy. We want to be seen as a particular way. And in fact, people who comb their hair or brush your teeth, priests, God, like if you do all these things, right, you do them because you want to be presented as beautiful. You love yourself. And ultimately, instead of looking inside of ourselves, the Bible is saying, look outside of yourself. Look beyond yourself. He says, I dare say, humble yourself and ask for help from God to remind you of who you are. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, because I don't want to be fronting like, man, like, don't do your nails. Girl, do your nails. Praise God. Like, treat yourself. Like, all the time, like, my wife's like, I want to do, do this. I'm like... Treat yourself. I'm going to work hard. That dollar will figure it out. What can happen, right? Like, treat yourself. It's okay. It's fine. But that should not be your main goal. It says this in 1 Timothy 4, 8. For physical training is of some value. There is value in it, right? If I came here to preach on a Sunday at 11 a.m. or 5 p.m. or on Wednesdays or Tuesdays, wherever small group or in the streets or the Kaya's, wherever you find me, right? And I'm wearing a wife beater. 
<laughs> the laughs in the room, right? It's weird, right? What would you say? You'd be like, is this guy serious? Like, what's going on? There's some value in it. I wouldn't expect you to go for a job interview, right? And you're only wearing, like, beach shorts, unless you're trying to be a lifeguard, whatever, right? Like, it doesn't make no sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's important. There's value in it. However, but godliness has value for all things. All things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That knowing who you are in God, having your identity secure in God, not in what people say you are or how you perceive yourself to be, like having that godliness secures all things. You know what all things means in the Greek? All things. All things. You're trying to learn how to be a better husband or a better wife. In the word of God, godliness is in that. You're trying to have success in your business. There you go. It's in the word of God. You're trying to have sex that is fulfilling, that is not tied to a, a, a bad feeling or guilt or whatever. It's all in the word of God. You're trying to, like, not go to jail. <laughs> it's in the word of God. Like, all these things are there. Why is this key for us? It's key because we have these insecurities and these fears and these things, and unless we give them or submit them to who God calls us to be, they choke the life out of us. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Mark 12, 30 through 31, Jesus tells us this, that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your, your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. Like I said, all these things we do, even, even cutting, right? If you have conversations with people, they say, I'm trying to do this because this is the only time that I feel something for myself. You're loving yourself. You're seeking a pleasure. You're seeking a satisfaction for yourself, an escape for yourself. And if you're in that position, guys, this is not a, a, a place where we're condemning you for that. We're saying that Christ wants to set you free that he has more for you, that he has better for you. I dare you to try it. Try it and see if God has not come through, if God has not proved himself to be a lover of your soul. See, God will not reject you for your insecurities. No, he will draw you close. Why? Because he says this, that he is humble and gentle. And he says, take your yoke upon me because it is, it is light. It is light. But what you're carrying right now is heavy and he wants to help you cover it, and hold it. Isaiah 53, 2 again talks about Jesus and how he looked, right? And how he felt about himself. People talk about it in Isaiah 53. But Acts 2, 36 reminds us this, that the same Jesus who was rejected, as you are going to be rejected as you trust God and not trust yourself, the same God who was crucified, who chose to put on flesh and be humble before people around him, it says, let there, let, therefore let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. See, the world may try to put you in a box, but guess what? God broke out from that grave. He did not stay dead. He's alive. And because he's alive, you can be alive. And you can be free from all the things that are holding you back in insecurity. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, he says, Therefore, because of that reason, because this God did not stay dead, because this God has wrought for us, that's the word in the, in the old King James, because he fought for us, he broke free, he worked it out for us, so we don't have to. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart. Because it can be hard sometimes, right? Hey, you guys, you remember, you guys remember like, like January, what January felt like for New Year's resolutions, right? How many of you guys are still doing, doing your New Year's? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. How many of you guys are still doing your New Year's resolutions, right? Praise God. Like, good for you. Right? It's like one person in the whole room, right? It's, it's hard. It's difficult. But we do not have to lose heart. We do not have to feel downtrodden. But we can remind ourselves that, no, guess what? We are more than victors in Christ Jesus. That in Christ, in his confidence, we can hold on to who he has called us to be. He says again, 2 Corinthians 4.16, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away and our inner self is being renewed day by day. What does this mean? How many of you guys have grandmas and grandpas, right? Now you guys saw my picture at two, right? I guess in a two-year picture of your grandpa or grandma, 17-year-olds, 20-year-old grandma, grandpa, do they look the same? Oh, praise God. Your grandpa is Stalin. Right? It just, they don't, right? They do not. Right? Why? Because the natural condition of our bodies is to change and to shift. The things we're holding on to right now that seem to be holding us in a chokehold of insecurity, ultimately, at, at the expense of maybe making some people mad, God looks at those, he recognizes them, and he goes, I have better for you. Leave that aside. Put it down. Like, put it down and, and don't pick it back up again. He goes, just leave it there. Leave it at the altar. Leave it the place where you, you, you leave all control and trust that he will hold on to those things. He says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.17 that for this light and momentary affliction, I mean, right now, it's, it's, it's a main thing, right? But in four years, five years, my ears are no longer bigger than my head. Praise God. Like, things change, right? Some of us are so confused and tied up and all these things. And it's like, dude, the, the vein in your leg won't be there at 60. I'm sorry. Like, you're working hard for leg day, and every season is bulk season. There's no season that's never bulk season, right? You're always in bulk season, right? But the reality is this. At some point, all those things go away. And like we said, those things have some value. They have value. But don't let them be the defining purpose and driving of who you are. Let them not be your identity. Instead, know that this light and momentary affliction is preparing us. Why? Preparing us for what? Instead, we have to focus on what is coming, what will be standing, what will always be around, the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We have nothing to compare it to. Right now, our issue is this. We're comparing to all things around us, what we can see what we can perceive. But he goes, all these things are going to go. They'll be gone. They'll be dead and gone. I think that's a song too, Kanye, dead and gone. Anyway, like all these things will be disappearing and gone. And ultimately, he says this, that our eyes and our hearts should be settled on the eternal weights of glory beyond all comparison. Now, I, I don't even know what to think about. I've never experienced that, but I trust God at his word. And so I'm going to trust that he has more for me. Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, and therefore, if you read the Bible, is what? If therefore is there, therefore is there for a reason, right? So therefore, at Hebrews chapter 12, from chapter 1 up to 11, he's been sharing all these amazing things about who God is and what he's done and how these people of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 have had multiple things that they've worked through, insecurities, 
right? Insecurities about where they're going to live, how they're going to eat, all these different things. But instead of trusting their fears, instead of trusting their insecurities or, or, or misunderstandings or, or, or anxieties, the weight of real things on their lives, these people, right, were cut in half, lived in caves, crucified upside down. That's the whole book of Hebrews 11. People who, who, who were, were, were estranged from their, from their families for choosing not to focus on themselves and focus on God. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people who have lived and loved like Jesus and done it and watched God's faithfulness, when I say that there's every person in this room has seen God's faithfulness in one shape or way or manner, whether you were a leader or a student, you've all seen God's faithfulness. You've been a witness to God's goodness. Why would you stop trusting him now? Why would you not trust him for these things? Like, think about this. We are a people who believe that, that, that God created the world by speaking into existence. You believe that, that God kept Jonah alive in a whale for three, sorry, a fish, for three days. Got to make it accurate, right? For three days. And that actually represents Jesus who's in the tomb for three days. What are the coincidences of that being true? We believe that our God could split the Red Sea, but you don't have enough faith to believe that God can help with your insecurity? Really? You believe that this God raised himself from the dead, right? Talk about big dogs and got big power, right? Like he raised himself from the dead. But my insecurity, he can't handle that. My college, he can't handle that. Money for camp, he can't handle that. Really? This God overcame death and the grave for you. And so he tells us, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us now throw off everything, in other versions, every weight and sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He goes, now, you've seen it. You've tasted it. You've seen people who've trusted God and watched him come through. Now, throw aside every weight and sin. It's not only sin. I'm not talking about sin only. I'm talking about weights, things that don't help you run fast, that don't help you fulfill the race or call of God on your life. What are those things that I can't speak to them? Only you know what's holding you back. Only you know what's happening in the closed doors of your bedroom. Only you know what's happening in your friend groups where people might be toxic. Only you know what's happening in your household with your family and how you feel insecure about you and your parents. Only you have that truth. He says, throw aside that weight and fix your eyes. How do we run this race? Now, for some of us in this room, we are runners, right? There's, who, who, where are the people who run in this room, right? You're runners, you run track, right? You run track? Come up real quick, right? Real quick, just two, two seconds. Give her some, give her some hand claps, snap some claps as she comes up. Whoosh, whoo, I'm tired right now. Hey, come on up, come on up, come on up. Praise God, that's awesome, right? You're a runner? Okay, cool, cool, cool. When you're running, just give us, I'm just like a basic person, you know, I'm trying to like run, I don't know, but if you're running, like, are you supposed to like run with your eyes down like this? No. Have you ever run and looked back? Yeah. Right? And what did your coach tell you? She got mad. She got mad? She got mad. Why? Because it's not how you're supposed to finish. Because it's not how you're supposed to finish. It's not how you're supposed to run the race. How are you supposed to run a race? You look at your own lane, right? You don't compare it to other people. What else do you do? I don't know. You just look at your own lane, you run. 
and you just run, right? You stay in your lane. You look at where you're supposed to be going. You don't look back. You look at the people side of you because you have your own path that's been marked out for you. You are your only person you're supposed to look at, and you're supposed to look at the finish line. And in our case, the finish line is not going to be Edgar's line. It's not going to be Janessa's way. It's not going to be Aaron's way or even Josh's way. It's going to be Yahweh. It's going to be God himself. He is the prize. He's the finish line. We are to look with our eyes fixed on him. In fact, he says this in Hebrews 12 too. May I have a seat? Thank you so much for your great advice. He says that we are to run this race, how? With our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you run trying to look to the left and to the right, you will never win. In fact, Paul tells us this, and no one gets into a race trying to lose. Instead, they're trying to do what? To win. And so he says, then I beat my body into submission, teaching it what it's supposed to do. We put all these things on the altar of our life, give them to God and say, God, these things are real and they're hurting me. I'm insecure about my hair or my body or how people perceive me or my grades. He says, put those things on me because I'm able to carry them and fix your eyes on me, because I am the author and the finisher of the faith. The Bible tells us this, that he who began a good work in you, not a value like, like change from the times from 10 to 12 or whatever. No, no. He goes, he who began a good work, a standard work, a great work in you, he will bring it to completion. But you must trust the Father. Let the worship team come up as we do so. That we are to fix our eyes on Jesus the, on, the author and perfecter of our faith. Why? Because this is what he did as an example. This is Jesus, fully God and fully man, right? We talked about how he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was literally overcome with anxiety, sweating blood. All these things coming at him. And he says, no, why, why, why does he continue to do so? Why does he continue to move forward with God's plan for his life? How is he able to run? How are you able to run? He says, for the joy set before him. The joy set before him. And I believe there's all kinds of interpretations of this verse. Some people will say that joy would be the glory of his father. And praise God. The glory of your father should be a, a, an all-surpassing joy for you. It should be something that gives you gas and give you breath in your lungs to energize your walk and your fight for sure. Then some people will say the joy that was set before him was your freedom. I believe that too. Because Christ died to set us free. Whether it's the glory of God and whether it's the freedom of his people, I think if we run with the same mind, like Peter tells us or in the word, that we have to have on the same idea that Christ had, have the mind of Christ ready to do the same thing, that we scorn its shame, scorn the shame of the world, scorn the shame of the cross in our lives, these things that are trying to nail us down. We scorn them and push them aside. Like Jesus, we'll, sat, we'll be able to sit down, be able to have our relationship with God restored. But our eyes have to come off of us. Come off of us. Because ultimately, if you look at yourself, like we said earlier, you'll always be depressed. You'll always be unsatisfied. There'll always be something and something stronger, faster, better than you. Ultimately, you should look at the one who made you, who knows you, who can determine your future. So how do we run? We run to our purpose, 
and find our identity with our eyes fixed on the prize, on Jesus. When you run a race, you're running to win that, I don't know, a million dollars or trophy or hit that weight lift or whatever. You're running with a purpose. The ultimate prize for us is not these things that will pass away. The prize is Christ himself. The prize is fulfillment and satisfaction in Jesus. And as we wrap up, 2 Corinthians 4.18 tells us this. That as we look on to the things that are unseen, but to the things that are unseen. Let me say that one more time. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. The things you're concerned about now are transient. Here today, gone tomorrow. Instead, the things that are unseen are eternal. What he's referring to is the things of the Spirit, things that actually matter. Your personhood, your spiritual life. That all these things you're holding on to right now, yes, they're weighty and they're real. And, and God identifies with them. He sees them. But he says, bring them to me and fix your eyes on what is eternal. Allow me to refocus your heart and your mind so you can have a life that is winning with him. So you can be a person who ultimately makes disciples live and love like Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? That your freedom, your freedom in Jesus, your confidence in who God has called you to be creates an open door for other people. Like in your family, you could be the one who breaks that curse of continual arguments or, or alcoholism or, or people who have self-hate. You can break that in your family. You would be like, Aaron, I'm too young. You're not. You're not. Time after time, we see examples of people in the Bible who God used. In fact, Paul tells Timothy, let no one despise you because of your youth. So let me encourage you that God has called you to be set free, not only for yourself, but then to begin to be a person who's a trailblazer, not just for your family, but for your community, for people all around you. He has called you to be a person who lives in love like Jesus and makes disciples who do just the same. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the truth that you see us where we are. You do not shun us in our pain or in our insecurity. Instead, you draw us close. You bring us near. Just like that lady at the well, Lord, you knew her brokenness, her pain, and things she was struggling with, and you did not push her aside. Instead, you drew her in. And you offered her water. You offered her the water of life. And for every person in this room, Lord God, who is thirsty for the things of this world, Lord God, who is trying to quench that thirst, Lord God, with sex, with drugs, with cutting, Lord God, with, with, with all these kinds of forms of self-mutilation and trying to, to find their identity in their phones or how they look and all these things, Lord, in their grades, in their family approval, Lord, you died to set them free from that. Let them have a new thirst, a new desire, a new satisfaction that comes from knowing you. By the power of your spirit, Lord God, I speak to those hearts that need a renewal, a refresh, Lord. Lord, meet them at that point of hunger and renew them. Give them strength and confidence that comes from knowing you. Now God's people say, amen. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a 